Welcome to another episode of Investing Your Future. Uh, I'm your host, Kenny. And uh, I wanted to today talk a little bit um, about a special guest I'm bringing on today. Um, pretty famous, pretty big deal, especially when it comes to um, the area of his expertise. And uh, our special guest today is Terry Adams. I've uh, been, been a big fan since I was little. Actually, I used to ride uh, mongooses and uh, these BMX bikes, and I used to have the gyro and the pegs on the back. But we, we have a special guy here who's uh, way beyond my skill level, um, pro BMX flatland rider, uh, 10 years plus, um, global traveler, you know, top rated BMX magazine, number one rider, uh, two-time Nora Cup winner, also known as the ambassador of flatland, and uh, sponsored by major brands all over the world, um, and originally from Hammond, Louisiana, Terry Adams. Uh, you want to introduce yourself, Terry? Thank you. I think you did a, a pretty good job uh, with the intro right there. Uh, pretty much, you, you kind of summed it up. You know, I, I grew up in a, a very small town of uh, Hammond, Louisiana. It's uh, in between uh, Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And uh, I just was a kid that really grew up with that with the dream of becoming uh, a pro BMX rider. And, uh, you know, I, I probably started riding at maybe age eight or nine. Uh, you know, I grew up, my, my walls were pretty much covered with, with, uh, with all the pros that I looked up to in, in the magazine. So I just kind of stared at that wall as kind of, you know, what, what I look at today is, as kind of like a, you know, what, what I now know as a vision board, not knowing that I was staring at that wall every day when I woke up and went to bed, just wanting to be a pro rider that, uh, wanting it so bad, I, you know, actually just hold on to that dream, just making it come come true with uh, a lot of hard work and a lot of phone calls and uh, just really not giving up and having a supportive family as well to uh, allow me to, uh, to to do what I love to do. Wow, that, that that's that's great. So actually, let's let's stop there for a second. You you so you, you pretty much put up those pictures on your wall, but you didn't even know that you were actually putting yourself in a, in a situation to, to get those dreams of riding pro and um, becoming a professional uh, BMX rider. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the type of BMX riding I do is called flatland BMX, so it's basically like dancing on the bike, break dancing on the bike is kind of the easiest way to describe it. So with it being like such, uh, like 5% of the entire BMX market, I would go through these BMX magazines and sometimes uh, they would only have four, four or five pages of, of flatland in that entire magazine. So I would rip out those five pages and just, start covering my wall that, that wall ended up being covered from the top to the bottom and then oh you know all the way up the ceiling and, and in my mind I'm like man I I just want to be as good as these guys and being a young kid you know wanting to be as good as these guys and wanting to be a pro rider I really wasn't thinking that the fact that being a pro rider money can actually come along with that if you are a good marketer and if you uh have a good personality and you just really play your, your, your cards right. So the moment I realized that I could actually make money as being a professional rider, and that was probably, I, I turned around 16 or 17 years old, I started to take things really seriously and really never wanted to let that dream go because uh, that's when I realized, oh wow, I don't have to have a, a nine to five job. I can actually make this my job. And so I pretty much turned into, I guess, the type of BMX rider that really quickly would ride the bike 50% of the time and the other 50% of the time 
I put into trying to find those endorsement deals, uh, you know, writing writing letters back then because there there wasn't there wasn't a lot of emails uh, being sent out and uh, just picking up the payphone if I could and calling every every company I, I could through the BMX magazines or just magazines that I would pick up at a store to try to align myself with a brand that wanted to support a kid that had a dream. You know, mm, yeah, that's that's actually great. That's great because. A lot of people don't even know how to start, you know, and I mean, the lucky thing about yourself is you, you found your dream and passion early enough, and some people right now are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and they've still been, you know, working the same job, so they don't even know what their passion is, maybe they even lost it, so you, would you say is to start with first just having an image and having a vision or a vision board that can kind of guide you to, to, to where you want to go towards? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, like, uh... Shortly after, shortly after I started putting those photos all over my wall, I I started just writing down uh, like daily to-do lists, uh, whether it be to keep in charge, uh, keep in touch with those sponsors, whether it be you know learning learning a new trick, uh, and I would I would write these to-do lists, which eventually turned into goal lists as as a kid, and as I was marking off these 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 goals and these things that I wanted to do during my day-to-day or, I guess, you know, uh, weekly to-do list, that that kind of turned into my adult life to know that, man, anything that I wrote down, anything that I could envision uh, was possible. But really started off just as a kid wanting to learn these original tricks that no one had ever done in the world. And then the fact that I was able to, like, go up and write it down have a vision, kind of think about it for whether whether it took five months, a year. Uh, well, the, the moment I was able to scratch that out kind of gave me the confidence to know that, man, like, I'm writing down trick ideas right now, but as I, as I went into my adult life, I started writing down uh, other things besides uh, that, that had to do with BMX. I started writing down financial goals. I started writing down personal goals. Mm. Uh, um, just any, anything to do with life and started to realize that, man, this stuff can, can really come true um, because some of the things that I made happen and in my BMX career by just writing stuff writing stuff down and wanting it and then seeing it kind of manifest just because I believe I can make it happen. Mm. Um, really, 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 there was a couple things that really happened that was like, man, I did that. Like, any anything is possible, you know, so I, I really took it to the next level and, you know, as an adult started, started making uh, vision books with like the, the house that I wanted to have mm. when I got older and wow. uh, the, the network that I wanted to have and uh, the type of friends I wanted to have and, and uh, just seeing all that stuff just kind of come through by writing it down and it was super powerful for myself. Wow, that is that is great. I mean, I, I learned that actually pretty late myself. You're lucky you found it kind of early, but I believe in the same thing, uh, Terry, where, you know, I write down daily goals, weekly goals, and monthly goals, and, you know, a lot of people don't do that. And I read a stat somewhere that you're 50% more likely to achieve it if you write it down. You know, so a lot yeah. of people, yeah, a lot of people don't follow that method, and they just think, oh, I want to be rich, but they don't know how rich they want to be or, what you know, what kind of number they're reaching for. So that's actually a very good point, to write down your daily, weekly, and monthly goals so that way you can kind of see it progress, correct? Yeah, I mean, I remember a story that was uh, actually in the, 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 the DVD, or uh, I guess you can maybe even order it uh, 
Netflix or somewhere online is the, the movie The Secret, where the, the guy actually wanted to make a $100,000 that year, and it was, to him, it, that, that number just seemed completely outrageous, but he took uh, a $10 bill or a $1 bill, and he, he actually wrote, he like circled it in and made it look like a hundred thousand dollars with with a permanent marker, and then stuck it by by his dresser on his mirror, and he looked at that every day. And then at the end of the year, he ended up making like ninety two thousand dollars. So uh, obviously, it wasn't the hundred thousand that he wanted, but he he knew in his heart that he would have never came that close to a hundred thousand. So he wasn't mad at ninety two. You know what I mean? He, oh, yeah. The guy probably. The guy probably would have ended up at at forty thousand if he would have made that that one dollar bill into a hundred thousand dollars and looked at it every single day. So uh, <laughs> I took that so I took that story and just I, I just I just ran with it and started just writing down crazy goals for my income, uh, goals for for my to to improve my net worth every year, and then and then putting those right people in, in place to kind of. Uh, help me know how to, to build that network and sure. and and then just stay on my grind and my hustle to try to to try to make those income goals come true as well. Oh, that that is that is great. I mean I, I know for a fact that when I started myself it was it was the same thing where, you know, you think you just want to pay your bills or you just want to get over this debt, but you actually have to write down, like you said, crazy goals, crazy things that you know that you can't imagine how you're gonna get there, but you have to just at least write them down to kind of start Pushing towards them, and that's actually great. Um, I want to get back to you, to your to your BMXing and how how you how you acquired such a high level of skill because a lot of people don't have the skills though or or um, the things that they can go after they don't they not know how to get the skills to level. I want to know how you went from amateur to professional because that's a big jump right there. A lot of people don't know how to make that skill development. So could you discuss a little bit on let's say you know how you learn these intricate skills and how you got to level where you get sponsors to pay you for riding bikes. Could you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the one word when you when you kind of speak about it like that is just obsession. You know, obsession. I think anyone that is, is is really good at what they do mm-hmm. is, you know, whether they're a successful entrepreneur, the owner of a business, or successful in real estate or successful in the sports that they do or the job that they do is you really have to be upset and you have to love it that much. So, mm. man, as a, as a kid, I wasn't just out there riding two hours a day or four hours a day. And I was, I was spending eight, eight, ten hours a day on that bike. I was, you know, there was, there was mornings I would wake up at the, before the sun came up for years and years and years and wow you know, ride out to the parking lot or, or ride in my mom's driveway as a kid and then set up lights at night where the neighbors still today, you know, that, that lived by my mom's house. They remember, man, I remember you used to set up lights and ride and ride until like one, two in the morning. It was, all that was just obsession. It was obsession of me wanting to, to be as good as the guys that I've seen on those VHS tapes that I had, wanting to be as good as those guys that that were in the BMX magazine. So it, the I guess the feeling I got from riding the bike, it was almost like a feeling of like I was I was floating, or, or it, it's especially when I when I seen the, a video of Flatland for the first time, and I seen the way these guys were maneuvering around the bike. I was like, I wanted to know how that felt so 
bad to be able to go around the bike and, and do all these things that just looked impossible. I didn't even understand it the first time I, I, I seen it. All I knew is, man, I want to know what that feels like. So when I actually started to achieve those feelings of what it feels to ride a bike like that, I, I then became obsessed with like wanting to wanting to learn more and more and more and more. And uh, from, from there, I just, uh, honestly, just, I, I, I then became obsessed with wanting to be sponsored at such a young age because I, I realized that, man, these guys that I look up to are sponsored and uh, they're, they're getting paid and they're, they're making a living somehow from riding a bike. And I didn't necessarily know how they were making a living, but I knew that they didn't have a nine to five job and, and riding a bike was, was the way they were making, uh, was they were either the way they were making ends meet or the way they were doing well and not having to have a job. I didn't know how much money they were making, mm-hmm. but I knew that they were they were riding a bike as their job. And I'm like, man, I just, I want to do that. So I, I I became really, became really proactive with, I would just open up a magazine mm-hmm. and like, I would, I would find the numbers either, even sometimes from the publisher of the magazine and I would just call and be like, hey, my name's Terry, and all the magazines are in California, I'm in Louisiana, I hear you have a 12, 13-year-old that's, like, calling the, the magazine, just, hey, uh, how do I get in there? And they're like, oh, man, maybe submit a photo, you know, or, yeah. or maybe maybe go to a contest. And, you know, there's, there's not that, there, there probably wasn't that many kids that were motivated to actually pick up the phone and dial a number inside the magazine. Maybe there was, I don't know, but I definitely fell in that category of, like, I'm in Louisiana, This all these places that are in California, all the riders are in California at the time that were making a name for themselves. So I, I had this huge gap of how I was going to make it happen, and the way I made it happen was just being super, super proactive. So if I would go to a contest in Florida, if my parents would drive me to and say I would get third uh, and they I would get like a mention in the magazine where they would put the not the pro riders but the, the expert riders below pro and say oh Terry got third and if I knew I actually got second I would call the magazine up and be like hey it's Terry again just want you guys know you made a mistake and <laughs> and from, th- from there I would start ended up in the news every month they had like a news section in these magazines and they would be like and Terry Adams called again he actually said he got second and then I realized like oh man they're talking about me in the news like so <laughs> then it, it sparked this thing in my head where like man I need to call these guys every month like I can start getting them to mention me in the news mm. so then I, I called so many times where I probably had a stack of uh, 50 magazines where they would just like mention me in the news because I was calling to aggravate them or tell them that, you know, they had a placing wrong or tell them something that I had going on. And uh, I became this, I guess, figure to where when photographers did show up from the magazine, uh, from the magazine at an event that I was able to get to, they remembered because they're like, oh, that's, that's Terry Adams. That, that kid calls all the time. And oh, yeah. I didn't just do it with, I, I didn't just do it with the, just with the publishers of the magazine. I did it with like the companies that, that were in there. Like, I just like called everyone. You know mm, what I mean? Cause yeah. I knew if I was, if, I knew if I was gonna, 
I was going to be a professional rider, I had to somehow get in that circle, and it wasn't going to happen unless I, I kind of pushed for that stuff myself. You know? that, that's great. I mean, that that's actually a great point because so it comes down to a couple of things I'm, I'm hearing is obviously obsession because you were doing this before you even got a dollar or got paid for it. So you're doing it eight to ten hours per day, every day, without anybody telling you, without anybody asking you, without anybody forcing you. So that's, that's, that's actually a great point so people can take 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 home is just be obsessed with whatever you're trying to do, whatever you're trying to get into. Be obsessed because you're going to have to put in the time. And it looks like you put in at least, you know, according to Malcolm Gladwell, you put in your 10,000, looks like you put in a lot more than 10,000, Terry. Yeah, I was yeah.
uh, an action figure of their bike. I'm not sure how many of those pro riders actually cold called the company, and that's how they got the deal. Mm. Now, maybe I maybe I didn't get the most money that the other guys got, but my my action figure of my bike was still sitting next to theirs in the end, just because I was uh, had that proactive mindset of, oh man, I, I can make this happen. You know what I mean? So oh, now when I'm now when I'm walking through these through these stores, whether it be Best Buy or Walmart or Target, and I see a product that I want to be involved in or you know represent or have my face on, I pretty much I pretty much have that mindset that anything can happen because I've kind of broke through those barriers before. Nice, nice, proactive mindset. I love that. that that's that's actually really really informative because a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people have that hesitant mindset where they don't know what's going to happen. They're afraid they might say no. And even if they hear that first no, they most likely won't even make another call because they're scared of another no. So that's, that's great. You made hundreds of calls to get those deals. You've gotten your own sponsors. I mean, you became a pro at 16. I mean, stuff that, you know, <laughs> that a lot of people can't, can't relate to, but you can definitely learn a lot from him in terms of at least he had the proactive mindset to push himself, to push those calls, to push himself to get those action figures. And, and that's, that's actually great. So, at 16, you're a pro. You know, you're making money. You're getting you're getting endorsements. You're traveling the world. You're you're pretty known. You're in the X Games. You know, you win uh, the gold medal at the 2005 X Games. How, how does how do you how how do you how are you handling your money now? Like, I know you're making some money. I don't know how much you make it, but I know you're making some good money. You don't have to work a nine to five like a regular person. How, how are you handling your money? Are you a spender? Are you a saver right now? Or how, how are you how are you handling your money? Now, are you talking about right now? Or are you talking about in that 2005 era? Yeah, the 2000. Right before, before, before you even learned about how to handle your money. What were you doing with your money? How's how's it coming? How's it going? What were we spending? Yeah, I mean, I guess to, to be honest with you, at that time, I was so focused on like, oh, I made my dream happen. I need to hold on to this dream. So the way I'm going to hold on to the dream is keep these sponsors happy. Mm. You know, that was. That was always my main goal is like, oh, I actually got these companies to pay me a monthly salary to ride my bike. And that's, that's how it works for people listening that, that, that are not familiar with a, a professional athlete, whether it be extreme sports or traditional sports. A lot of times you get an endorsement deal and for, for BMX, and then they pay you a monthly salary. For BMX, those, those salaries are sometimes uh, relatively small, you know, before I started to get some uh, uh, larger, uh, I guess, corporate endorsement deals. You know, those first deals that came through were relatively small, but I was I was really being careful on what I spent my, my money on. But then again, I didn't have any knowledge on the difference between an asset and a liability. Mm. I was, I, I, at the time, I, I lived in a mobile home. I was thinking to myself, like, Man, I wanna I wanna live this dream of riding this bike forever, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pay this I'm gonna pay this mobile home off. And so the, the mobile home I think uh twenty one thousand dollars was owed on it. But at the time I you mentioned the Asian X games, I came back, I took that money, I slapped it on the I slapped it on the the, the, trip, the mobile home, I paid that off. Mm. I started I was starting to think at the time like uh, since I didn't have much knowledge on, uh, I had a lot of knowledge on 
what I can be as a BMX rider and uh, as an athlete, but I didn't have much knowledge on what I could actually do uh, financially uh, in my financial life. So uh, I was actually considering, and I've told this story a million times, but I think it's, uh, I need to mention it, is that the, I was considering breaking over that mobile home and like hurricane proofing it because we got hurricanes down here. And that was, I was, in my mind, I was thinking, uh, this, this is where I'm going to be forever. Like I got this thing paid off and, and my, I kind of had this block in my head of, uh, this is kind of all I, I can have but financially, you know, this is all the money I'm, I'm going to be able to make right now. And then, and then a couple things started to happen mm-hmm. where I, I started to realize what it was to take my money and, and to invest it into an asset uh, versus a liability. And, I just didn't know what that what that was. So I was I was speaking to a good friend of mine, Bobby Carter, on the phone one day, and the guy that I traveled the world with, and um, his his parents have done very very well and and uh, instilled and, and a lot of these uh, very very I guess simple simple rules of, of managing money to him, and and he kind of he kind of came to me and was like, man, I see that you're you're so motivated with riding bikes. You've made all these dreams become a reality, um, whether it be being on the cover of a magazine or making riders of the year or winning X Games medals. And you could take those, you could take those that mindset and and those dreams, and you can put it into your financial life and really be at a, a different spot in, in life. And I was like, man, what are you talking about? And he said, man, you know, you can either spend your money on assets or you can spend spend it on liabilities, and really at the time, I, I had no idea what this guy was talking about, but I remember exactly where I was standing when he told me, mm. I was like, man, well, you know, what, what's a, what's an asset? He was like, well, you know, you could, an asset is really only three things. You could, you could spend your money on real estate, you could spend your money on, you know, stocks and bonds, or you could, like, actually start a business or a company yourself, and, and, uh, and those things, those assets will then put those are the three things that you can spend your money on the put and that those things put money back in your pocket after you spend it. And I'm like, well, man, well, that's, what, that's what I need to do because right now everything I'm spending my money on, which was, uh, you know, rims from my truck and, you know, uh, jewelry or just, mm. uh, I don't know, just a- anything that wasn't an asset because I didn't know what an asset was. So when, when he started talking to me about assets and how assets can produce passive income, mm. he's like, "Yeah, you know, like you can, you can buy, you can buy an asset, and then you're going to get passive income, and that income is basically just like money that comes in, no matter if you're working or not. You know, like you can just be sleeping, and that money is going to going to come to you, whether it's monthly or quarterly. And I still really didn't." It because I said, oh yeah, I have passive income right now. I have these sponsors that paid me. Like, you know, th- these checks come every month, and I'm just doing what I love. And he was like, nah, passive income is, is more stuff. Uh, it's more when you buy when you buy these assets that bring in income. But when, when your riding career is over and you're just and, and you're still uh, living your dreams, wanting to ride your bike, but you don't have to worry about sponsors anymore. So. When he told me that, things really started to click, and he suggested a book called The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind uh, by T. Harv. Uh, I got that book first, and that really kind of changed the whole game for me, and the book 
book was basically about changing the way you think about money. It's very simple. It's a very short read. Uh, uh, everyone that I've told her to read the book is kind of changes their, their whole mindset on how they think about money and the things that they're doing with their money and just really uh, their, their mindset on where they can, they can be in life. So I bought that book and I had never even read a, read a book in, in my life, but after I read it, it changed my life. Like, it's, uh, it's, that's an understatement because wow. I, I started to kind of, kind of live by the principles in that book. Wow. Let's, 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 let's slow down a little bit. I want to make sure we get all this, all this good stuff right here, Terry. So your friend opened your mind up on what, on how to really kind of handle your finances. But the book, yeah. the book, The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, which I've read too, I have it in my library here with T.R. Record. I mean, a great book, obviously. But that's the book that really changed your whole mindset. Because I, I think a lot of people have issues is, like you, like you, they didn't have, they don't have the mindset on what to do with their money or what to buy with their money. Because yeah. I've, I've been the same road where I buy rims and I buy, you know, brand new watches and stuff. But until you realize that these things are not bringing any money into your pocket, that's when you start realizing how these rich people really make some serious money. So could you explain a little bit about like, like how did you get the book and how did you, like how did your mind shift once you got that book? I guess it was a couple things that I read in that book that really, that really stuck out to me. And one of, one of the, the statements in the book was, uh, the more you manage your money, the more money you'll have to manage. And it was so simple, but I, at, at that particular time, I had one bank account. I just had, I just had a checking account. I didn't, I didn't have the financial knowledge or know-how that I needed just I needed a savings as well so I could start taking a little bit out of out of whatever I was making and start to put into a savings account and then I started to realize well man that's working really well like I should open up another account that's labeled my investing account and and then and then I opened up another account that was like my new house account and then and so, so then every dollar that started to come in started to, started to have a purpose, you know. So it, re it really wasn't about how much money I was making. It was about the money that was coming in, what I was doing with those, with those money, so with, with that money. So really every dollar started to have a purpose where I don't care if the check was $100. I would take that $100 check mm -hmm. and I would split, sometimes I would split it up four ways. And, uh... I started to try to tell some of my friends this message, and they were like, "Yeah, man, that's not going to work for me because I don't, I don't make enough, I don't make enough money to split my money up." And I started to tell them like, "No, you don't understand. Like, when you start to give this money a purpose that comes in, like your whole your whole mindset is going to start to change." And so that's what I did. Like, the first step was just like realizing that I needed a savings, and then I realized like, man, that that actually motivated motivated me to to do more things in my career to get that savings built up and then after that I was like man I think I'm ready to start another account that's an investing account that everything that goes in that account is I'm gonna one day invest in you know my first thing my first asset that's gonna give me uh, passive income and uh, man in that book I had read like man like if, if you 
you want if you want an account to like to 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 just feel like you you have a lot of money, open up an account with like label it like your play account or your account of what it's gonna feel, what it's gonna give you those feelings of what it's like to feel rich or feel wealthy. So I actually opened up an account back then that was just I didn't have a lot of money in it, but it's the account I would go into if I just wanted to like splurge a little bit and go on and buy myself something, you know, whether it be cologne or some or some clothes. And that way I didn't have to worry about dipping into my investing account or my savings account. And uh, a lot of my friends were like, man, I just can't see that working for me. But it's hard to grasp the concept of really the second you start managing that money better. Yes. Is the, is the exact second that you will start to have more money to manage. And it's hard for a lot of people to grasp, but the second you do it, the second things start to change to where, to where now, you know, I'm talking back then, I had three or four bank accounts I started to open, but now I may have like 20 bank accounts or something, and every single bank account has a purpose, whether it's a, whether it's for a certain business or whether it's for an investing account or, uh, you know, something I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to save for my future. Every, every account has, has a purpose now. And, and, and now I'm never dipping a dive in, in, in some money that I shouldn't be, if that makes any sense. Oh, that makes a lot. That makes, I mean, perfect sense to me. And I mean, I, I started the same way with just one account and, you know, the money came in and the bills came out and, you know, you realize there's nothing really left at the end of the month. But like you said, I, lo- I love what you said is every dollar has a purpose. And that, until I, I realize the same thing also is because, I mean, I'm same here. I have about 10 accounts, but each one has a specific goal. And like you said, you should you should separate your money. A lot of people don't do that, uh, but you should definitely separate your money. So that way you don't just money just goes out of your out of your hand, out of your account without any kind of purpose or any kind of growth. That's a great point. So every dollar should have a purpose. And you should definitely open up multiple accounts to have different strategies for each account and how to, you know, separate your spending money from your investment money to your, you know, to your savings, to your retirement money. I mean, a lot of people don't do that. And I think that's a great point for people to do, which is separate your money and definitely, definitely have a purpose for what you're doing with your money. Um, great. Yeah, great. I mean, even if, even if you have some debt and you're like, man, I'm, I'm pretty bummed out about this debt, whether it's hospital bills or credit card bills, start up an account and just, you can label it online that this is my, this is my debt account that I'm going to pay off this debt. So now you know that when you stick money in there, yes. build it up to what, whatever it may be, a 500 or 250 $1,000, whatever, whatever it is, you know that that money is, is going to indirectly eventually pay off that credit card bill or that debt. And you're working towards that purpose instead of just throwing it in, into one or two accounts where you're like, ah, uh, I'm just gonna. I, I, I'll get that debt paid off another day. If it's going into an account, you're again giving that dollar a purpose and working towards that financial goal of paying something off or acquiring something new. Mm, great stuff. I mean, that, that's that's what these listeners need is how to handle their finances. Okay, so so now you you know you've got your education a little bit higher with the finances. How, how did your first um, investment look like? Let's talk. Let's talk about that. How's how, you started, you know, having some some money with a purpose. Now, how did your first investment, and how did you get over that 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 first hurdle? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, to be honest, uh, I had a I, yeah, I met so many friends uh, from mm-hmm. all, all all over the planet uh, from riding bikes, and I had met this friend. 
friend that lives in Michigan, and as you know, the housing market in Michigan is, is, and the economy is just so bad after the auto industry went down, and he was kind of in the heart of it. He lived in a little town called Saginaw, and uh, for whatever reason, he came from a different walk of life, and he knew that he needed to invest his money, and he was a professional writer as well. And he was telling me about all these stories about him buying these houses for cheap and how he was getting rent in every month. And at this point, I knew that, man, he's investing in assets and he's getting passive income back. So at the time, uh, I didn't have enough funds to, in my mind, I didn't because I didn't know how to, to, to work the banks or like I do now. But at the time, I, I was thinking, man, this is my... This is my uh, this could be a segue for me to get my first asset because the houses are so cheap in Michigan. I could kind of do the same thing he's doing, acquire my first uh, asset uh, in Michigan and then start to get that monthly income in. And, and that monthly income, so then in my mind, it was like I, it, it, would, it would replace a sponsor if I lost that sponsor. So when I ended up purchasing that house, uh, over the phone, uh, a house that I chose in Michigan. Um, the house was $25,000. It was like a two-story house. It looked really nice. In my town, the house would probably be like 150 or 200 grand or something. But just like I said, over there, like I, we spent 25000 on the house, but we probably could have got it for ten. You know what I mean? We, just, we, were, we, were, we were buying this thing over the phone and uh, we didn't realize just how bad the economy was over there. And uh, I get a lot of people that say, oh, man, don't, like, with nuts, I would never invest my money in Michigan or I would never invest in a place like that. But to be honest, a lot of first-time investors that are friends with myself, I've, I've sent a couple of people over there because I'm like, man, it, it's worked out well for me. You know, it might not be the best economy, but if I would have just put that 25 grand, I, I, I was at a point in my life where I had saved 25,000 cash. Uh, if I would have just took that cash and kept it in the bank, it never would have produced the, the passive income that, that that house brought me in, which was 650 a month. And that was probably around 
was it rented when you got when you when you first bought that one, or did you find did you have to find tenants? It was not rented, uh, and the, the real estate agent that sold it to me said, "Oh, uh, I I also manage property, so I will find you uh, a, a tenant." And she ended up uh, finding me a tenant, and I used her for a good five or so years to manage the property, and and then. Now, now I have, a, I guess, a, a little bit more legit property management company managing that thing over there. And really, it's, it's been one of, one of uh, I, I, I call it one of my best uh, assets that I've acquired because it was my first one. I still have it. It still produces income. And it's kind of the thing that, that really, uh, you know, got my feet wet in investing and kind of me getting over that initial fear of,
them into my adult years. If I keep this thing, it's going to be here and it's still going to be creating income. And really, that that those words kind of stuck in my head. It's like, man, this thing will be here until you're dead and gone. And I still kind of say that, you know, now we we typically try to invest in, in Louisiana uh, uh, houses that are brick on a slab because those houses that are on a brick and a slab, on a slab in Louisiana, we, we just kind of know, like, man, like, if, if, we're, if we if we acquire one, those are kind of the first words that come out of our mouth. Like, yeah, man, this thing will be here until we get it going. And it's, it's true. It's going to be producing income for uh, you, and then it's going to be producing income for uh, your children or their grandchildren, or at some point it's going to be paid off, and then that money can, can go towards, you know, their first, house purchase are their first uh, investment and uh, you can really never go wrong with uh, real estate in, in my opinion and um, because you, you can you can try by see that asset it's yours if, as long as you upkeep it there's always as long as you stay competitive with uh, with the other prices around town mm. uh, that things are renting for you really can't go wrong and uh, that's, that's, that's actually why, that's why I'm, that's true. That's why I really kind of with real estate, you know. No, that's that's true. I mean, that's why that's why I'm in that game also. Uh, when you say long term, especially actually, one of my uh, properties I just bought was um, built in 1850, but you know, we, yeah, yeah, we put in we put in some money into it, and now this thing can last for another hundred years plus because I think we put in like 60 grand into it. Uh, you know, new flooring, new roof, new kitchen, bath, but the structure was actually really well. And it was a two-family, so it, it just shows how long these things can really, you know, stick around and produce income. Because now the fact that we fixed it up, now we can raise the rents, and uh, now it's going to be around for a long time before we even put in some more money into it. So it's it's interesting because you say, you know, long term, we, we're trying to hold these things for long term. Are you only strictly looking for long term, or do you do the fix and flip also, or do you do any other kind of um, things with the real estate? Uh, to, to be honest, uh, I. Uh Go back, go back to 
through the network, see the financial statement, and kind of see how much the parents had paid down on the mortgage uh, was was really kind of motivating to know that, man, this, this is a very serious and easy way uh, to build that long-term wealth. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, so in, in terms of, you know, you, you might, you probably had came to the table with some cash and some, um, so people, but how did you, how did you start building, the, let's say that network of banking or relationships that you need to, to be able to buy these houses and, um, get that financing for those? Could you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, so after I did the house in Michigan, I'm like, okay, my feet is wet. Let me try to do something. Uh, uh, around here in, in my town of, of Hammond, Louisiana. Uh, so I started, my wife and I started to look around and we, we purchased, uh, we purchased a, a home that was like a, uh, two bedroom, one bath, uh, wasn't in the nicest area. Uh, so we were a little bit concerned about that. We, you know, we just, we, I guess we, we were very uneducated on where investors were investing and what would actually uh, work, you know, because we just, we didn't have that knowledge. So as soon as I bought it and had it completely renovated, um, I think, I think I paid, well, I know what I paid. I paid $29,000 for it. And then uh, we, we wound up putting another 20 in. So we had 50 in and I contacted uh, a property management company here in my town to, kind of tell me what it would rent for and, and see if they would be interesting in managing it. So the guy that owned the company actually came over there and looked at it, said, this is what I think it'll rent for. I think he said it would rent around 675. His fee is 10%, which is pretty much the, the, uh, the standard for uh, property management. And so then I would be getting, I think, 60750. And I was like, man, that, 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 that sounds about perfect. And the great thing about asking him those first initial questions is uh, he already managed a couple properties down that street. So that's kind of the benefit of going to a property management company is that if you're thinking about buying a home, uh, an investment home, you can call them first, especially if you're thinking about wanting to have them manage it. If you're kind of weary about that area of where you're going to invest in, they'll tell you like, oh, maybe, maybe, we, they already managed five or ten houses down that particular street, and this is what they rent for, and we have no problem renting them. So they kind of, they, I learned really quickly that he had a, uh, uh, I guess, a, yes, he, he had his, his rope around the, uh, that, that pony more, more than I would have ever had because he had been in the game for so long. So uh, I eventually started to realize that this guy was uh, someone that, that that I had to come up, that had to come over to look at the house and give me what it was rent for. I started to realize, man, this guy has so much knowledge on real estate in this town. Um, uh, I went to his office one day after he had started managing the, the property and kind of went back to my to my old ways of cold calling the magazine uh, as a as a child. And so, man, I would love for to just for you to kind of mentor me uh, on on what I can do to acquire more of these and uh, what what I need to be doing financially to to get more of them. Um, how can I do some different creative financing things? 
to where I'm not using as much as my money. And he was like, man, I don't have too many young kids that come in here that, uh, that, that ask me some good things. I would love to sit down with you. So I started going into his office once a week and he would talk to me about things that he had done, uh, how he got started, um, how his family was, was into real estate, how he's acquired all these properties. And then that, those conversations ended up with me riding around in his truck and meeting new owners uh, that he was going to acquire those properties to manage them and uh, showing the tenants homes. And he was really kind of showing me the ropes of of, uh, not only only just uh, investing in real estate, but actually the the, the management side of things as as well. And one day we just were riding around and we pulled over on the side of the road. We went to like a vacant house. We were talking and he said, man, like I would, I would love to be your partner because I feel like you have this drive and this motivation to want, to want more and you're not afraid to say that you want to be wealthy and you're not ashamed of it. And you're, you're not afraid to, to say you want to break the mold that, that a lot of people in your circle has been. So he said that motivates me. So I, I'd love to be your partner. So to this day, um, he started off as my mentor and, uh, We've, we've been partners ever since. And so my wife and I had bought a couple of couple rentals that he had managed, and then it turned into this uh, great partnership to where, uh, man, I'm on the phone with this guy uh, pretty much every day for the last uh, 10, or, 10 or so years. And, and our sole purpose is to uh, acquire these assets, um, build wealth, and then... Uh, and then inspire others uh, along the way. His name is Kenny Barnes, and uh, I can't thank that guy enough for uh, letting me in his office that day and giving giving me that knowledge and and uh, and, and having the faith in me to partner us to this day. It's, it's been a, it's been a really really great relationship. Nice, Terry. That that is those are all great points. I mean, the one thing that really sticks out to me is the the the, the fact that you went out and searched for a mentor, especially when you. When you want to get into, you know, um, more real estate and learning more about the business, you went and seeked out a mentor. A lot of people need to understand that they need to go seek out a mentor or someone who's doing the business or the or the the, um, the job that they're trying to get into. They need to find somebody who's been in that business for a long period of time so they can give you that knowledge that they've experienced or that they've read about or that they've um, dealt with on a daily basis. Um, that is great. And now he's a mentor to you and also your partner. And, you know, what, what, what ideas would you give people to, to kind of learn how to, how to get to that level of, you know, having the, um, the comfort to go to ask strangers or people that in the business of what they're trying to get into? Any, any tips or any ideas? I mean, I know you went in straight to his office, but some people don't have that access. I mean, any other ideas that people can use to, from, from your experience? I guess the one thing to remember is that anything, anyone that is successful and something like real estate or anything that they do that they may have made a lot of mistakes along the way, Mm. uh, you'd be surprised uh, most of these individuals, uh, they really want to pass down the knowledge of what they have learned, you know. Mm, Uh, And if if you come across those those right individuals that uh, are good people, they're 
what's working, but also tell you all the things that they build on. That way, you won't make those mistakes uh, along the way. And uh, and uh, there's been so so many people that uh, I have mentors today that uh, you know, just passing down this knowledge of everything that's worked, but then more importantly, everything that hasn't worked. And same with myself. Today, I I sit I sit down with people that they want to start investing in real estate and, and the first thing I say is, man, I'm far from knowing everything because I'm still making mistakes every day. But what I but what I can definitely do is tell you about these these mistakes I just made or these mistakes that, that I remember that maybe you're about to make and, and kinda of help guide them along the way. Uh, really you you can never go wrong with with just asking questions. You know what I mean? Like sure. never. Sure. That's that's one thing I have also learned too with with my mentors, is um is people, especially successful people, they don't mind telling you their stories. You know, they they they, yeah. they love telling you their success success stories. I mean, it, it almost it almost comes easily because they 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 want to. People love their ego. You know, you stroke their ego a little bit, and you can learn so much from them, even if they you know they haven't um they haven't done all the things that you know. Let's say they tell you some stuff that you're not interested in. But if you go towards a topic, let's say real estate or finances, people love, ha- you know, hearing themselves talk about, you know, their, their successes and the buildings they bought and the fixes and, and, you know, so it's very interesting that you said that, that people are always willing to tell their story as long as, you know, it shows the, the good and the bad, obviously. You know, you want to hear both sides so that way you don't get, you know, one-sided. Um, great, great stuff, Terry. And when it came to um, now, now you're partnering with Ken Burns and doing properties on a regular basis, um, how would you say, you know, someone who wants to start, let's say, to, to, in real estate, how would they get their, their finances um, right, maybe their credit, or how, how would they build that banking relationship to try to get that money or to get that, that you know, that put down to 20% to buy a property? How would you say they start there? I would say the first thing you do is start to build a relationship with a bank that wants to work with you. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and the, the main thing to do is to not get discouraged on – if a bank tells you that they will not work with you because maybe uh, your credit is a little bit bad or maybe uh, your your taxes aren't lining up and it looks like you don't make enough money to, to acquire that first asset. The main thing to remember, and I learned from uh, a, another uh, great mentor of mine, Ed Hoover, is that every bank, you really have to treat them like a retail store because uh, uh, what are they actually doing? They are they are selling you a product which is a loan. So if if you don't go if you go to to Walmart and you don't like the price of those jeans, what are you going to do? You're going to go down to Kmart and you're gonna you're gonna price out another pair of jeans. So you really have to have that mindset and confidence of hey, if you guys don't want to work with me, speaking about the bank. You know, there's another bank right down the street, and eventually you're going to get one of those banks to say, you know what, this guy's trying to do something. Uh, this guy's trying to invest in real estate. Uh, we're we're going we're gonna to stand behind him and look, look past a couple of these things on his financial statement that might not be adding up uh, just right. And sometimes it takes finding that, that smaller bank that's not a national brand to, to help to, to help 
help you with those first deals. And the better you can build that relationship with the bank, the better your chances are of, of getting that first loan. And sometimes it takes uh, moving all your finances over to that one bank and telling them that you're you're willing to to use them as uh, as as the as your primary bank. And sometimes it's as simple as that. It's saying, uh, say you're. You're, you're willing to, to use them as, uh, as, as, the, as your primary bank. And sometimes it's as simple as that. It's saying, uh, say you're with Bank of America, but you're, but you're talking to this bank that you want to, you want to start investing in real estate with and, and getting loans from them. It's sometimes it's as simple as saying, look, all my money right now is at Bank of America. I'm willing to, I'm willing to switch. And um, after you build that relationship with the bank, then you can also start building that team of, you know, uh, insurance agencies that's going to work with you and building that team of uh, title companies that's going to work with you when you close on the house, uh, building that team of real estate agents, uh, the people that's going to help you find those first assets. And after you start building that team of, then you start revising that team as you go along and you start, I guess, working with the people that are, are willing to work with you the hardest. Mm-hmm. And, and, and your team begins to, to get a little bit tighter and a little bit tighter to where they, your team members now know that you're, you're in this for the long haul. This is, you're not just going to invest in one property. Your goal is to invest in multiple properties. So then, your team members begin to bump you up to the top of the list of, hey, we're gonna take we're gonna take care of of Kenny and Terry first because we know that they're doing a lot of loans here. We're gonna take this title company. We're gonna make sure we bump Kenny and Terry up to the front of the list to make sure their property gets closed sooner than everyone else. Hey, the insurance company. We're gonna we're gonna make sure we get Terry and Kenny the best rate because they have a lot of their properties here, or they plan on doing more. So you. Your team starts to get tighter and tighter, and you start to build this uh, this, this network of people that are are willing to uh, are willing to kind of uh, help you in a way that uh, just the average just the average company wouldn't help you because you're you're using them more times than once. Mm, great point. I mean, that, that's why I learned also is I mean, Terry just made a great point uh, for those listening. You have to build a really banking relationship. Like it's a must because. There's only so much cash available that you could buy by yourself, um, so you need that banking to be able to back you. And uh, from my experience, I've worked with uh, a lot of credit unions, Terry, so I've learned that credit unions are a lot more flexible also. And if, even if you have to switch all your you know, your accounts to one bank, if you're building that long-term relationship, it doesn't matter. So you need to build that long-term relationship. And also, the, another great point you made is you, have, you need to build a team. Everyone needs to build a team that can back him in terms of, finances, in terms of insurance, in terms of um, title companies, because if you are going to be doing this for long term, you're going to want to get the best rates. You want to get the best priority um, in terms of the company. So that, that way you get to know them by a first name basis. So they have your number. They know you by the face. They know you by, you know, by by when you come in, or when you email them, they can take you to the top of the list. Like Terry said, great point, Terry. I mean, that team building is probably crucial to your success. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, I mean, to, just to give you a short story, I was uh, I was about uh, 18 years old at the time, and I, I rode my bike in the, uh, 
this shopping center parking lot, this Hobby Lobby shopping center, and I was kind of known around the world, really, to, to ride in this, uh, in this parking lot. It's where, I, it's where I, I, really, my stomping ground were to practice for, like, the world championships and uh, all these contests in Japan and uh, really all over the world. In Europe, I would just go there, and I would spend a lot of time in this lot, and one day, this guy came up, and at the time, he was uh, probably in his late 50s, and he said, man, you know, you, you can't ride here. And uh, I said, yeah, actually, you know, I can. And uh, he said, you don't own this property. And he said, you know, I, I do own this property. Uh, <laughs> and uh, at, 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 at when he said that, it clicked in my head because I had, I, at that time, I was, I was, I was searching to build that team, searching to, 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 to find those mentors. And I knew that the person that, that built, uh, that, that owned that property that I was riding on, owned a decent amount of, of property in my, of commercial property, uh, in my town. So immediately I kind of switched my attitude around that was this, uh, I guess, uh, Almost like I don't want to say gangster BMX rider uh, to, uh, to to I'm going to be very polite now and say oh uh, actually I do know who you are uh, you know actually I'm practicing out here for the world championships that's about to happen in Portugal I would love if you would give me permission to to ride here uh, because I knew that he was this real estate mogul in my town and uh, you know again I'm 17 18 years old he said look come to my office tomorrow. I knew where his office was at the time. He said, if you show up there at 7 o'clock in the morning, I'll give you a written permission to say that, you know, if you fall here, you're not going to get hurt. And uh, so I showed up there at 7 in the morning and got got, got this uh, notarized sheet of paper saying I could basically do tricks on his property. And uh, till this day, uh, he has been one of the biggest mentors uh, that I've had. And and is also a board member at the bank. So now, uh, now when our loan get get pushed pushed up to to, to the committee to see if these things are going to get approved, he remembers me as this kid that he went to the parking lot to, and I always wanted advice. I always wanted to know what the correct thing to do with my money was, and so just from talking to people and building those relationships, you know, now this is, he became one of my great mentors, one of my great friends, and uh, now it's it really helped catapult Kenny and I um, from residential real estate to commercial real estate because that's kind of, uh, that, that's pretty much 100% what he does right now. So, uh, so just, just, from, just, I mean, you can see just from opening my mouth and uh, being nice and, you know, then every time he would stop out in the parking lot, it, I would put my bike down, sit on it, and try to gain as much knowledge as, uh, from him as, as I could. And then that turned into to me, you know, now today, uh, you know, uh, here we are, you know, 16 or plus years later, now going to his new office and sitting down and talking about uh commercial real estate and how we structure those leases and again as a, another prime example of someone that's very successful that is willing to sit down and uh and, and help the next person out to make sure that they don't uh, make those m mistakes that they might have made in the beginning wow that, that's that's actually a great story terry because it just shows that you never know who you're talking to you never really know you know the power the length and the reach 
because let's say you were that punk kid, you never know it could affect your future, you know, loans in, in real estate, you know. So that that's actually a great point because I, I preach that also. You have to be kind, man. You have to be kind to everyone and every everyone that you meet because you never know who they know. You never know their reach. You never know what they own, what their education level is. I mean, I never judge anybody. So I always try to take that point to heart is, and, and people should take it to heart is just be kind to people, you know, and, and once you, you're kind to people, people are willing to open up themselves. That's a, that's a great point, Terry. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he, he, even, even himself, he did not have to, he did not have to, to take the time to speak to this 17, 18 year old kid, you know, basically trespassing in his parking lot. He didn't have to take the time to not only tell me that he would give me permission to ride there, but he then took the time for, you know, 10 plus years to, to always, to always have his, have his phone available for me to call and, and ask, ask advice on, you know, what I should do next or if I was, or if I was doing the right thing. And, uh, he's another person that played a, a very crucial part in, uh, in, in my success as an investor. And, uh, I just, I just want to tell him thanks that he gets a chance to listen to his name is Ed Uber. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Shout out to Ed. Um, so, yep. and, um, so, so now, now you're, you're a veteran, you know, uh, you've been doing this business for a long time. H how does it look now? How, how does, how does, uh, the portfolio look now? How, what kind of deals are you looking for right now? What, what's, what's going on on a daily basis for you in terms of real estate? Well, uh, we, just, we, when we first started off, uh, just kind of picking up these, these houses, uh, that were in the, I guess, say, forty to seventy thousand dollar range, and then uh, from from there we kind of graduated to um, multi-family, which was bringing in a, a little bit more cash flow. So we stepped up, and then we started doing some duplexes, some fourplexes. Uh, we got uh, up as to high as getting an, an eightplex, uh, and then from from there we. Uh, We've just recent, we recently, Kenny and I have partnered with uh, someone else that is a, a contractor, and uh, we're we're start to we're we're now beginning a relationship with this guy, and he actually is the person that built the home I'm living in today, and we'll be building more uh, stuff from from the ground up here in our downtown area. We have a uh, like a brand new modern. Uh, Reflex will be like a, a two-story uh, apartment building in the front, and then an efficiency apartment in the back, and that'll be our first project where we kind of go from the from the ground up and have something uh, really nice and and new. And then, uh, man, just just recently over the last year, we've kind of one of our goals that uh, my partner and I wrote down is we wanted to get into uh, commercial real estate. And like I said, all it took was us writing down that goal, and then. Uh, I believe we wrote that goal down about a year and a half ago, and uh, now we're about to go into our uh, third uh, commercial property. Uh, the, the first one was a, uh, uh, a like a, a little a little bar in a in a, in a little city here uh, called Punchatoula, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. It was a little corner bar. It's been there forever. Uh, uh, that was our first one. Our, our second one, it was uh, a deal that was uh, passed over to us by Mr. Ed Hoover that just kind of didn't fit his wheelhouse because he's doing bigger commercial stuff, and that's a, that's a, a, a big metal 
big uh, metal warehouse that's uh, a furniture and appliance store or tenants, and they, they've been there uh, since 1993, actually. Mm. So some really good tenants, and uh, and now we're we're in the process of working on our, our third uh, commercial deal, uh, which uh, which which is uh, in the works right now that we're super excited about. Wow, that, that's that's great, uh, great progress. I mean, I, I love the fact that you're growing and you you're pushing yourself to even commercial because that's what I'm also doing myself is trying to get into um, larger deals. Actually, I just saw a deal in uh, Saginaw, Michigan. It was uh, a portfolio of like 65 homes. I'm looking at myself, so it's really interesting that you know you, you're moving up to commercial because it's 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 a uh, it's a fun place to be because you you know there's a lot more money in it too. Obviously, if you notice that. Yeah. Hey. Tagging all, man. Uh, that, that, that's what my house is. So if you, if you do something over there, man, let me know. I have to, I have to ride. I'll take a look at it. Definitely, of course. That'll be great. Um, so, so Terry, I mean, you, you gave us um, a, a book that you read, The Secrets of Millionaire Mind. Um, any other books you suggest to uh, my listeners on what they should really, you know, get get, get a chance to read, and maybe even audio book or something that you that you suggest. I suggest any of the Rich Dad Poor Dad books. I, I know they're 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 super popular, and a lot of people may have heard them. But although they're super popular, they are, they're they're super popular for a reason because uh, the, the the stories and and, and these books uh, are, are real and they and they are authentic, and a lot of people can relate to them. So I would say as uh, first time book readers, is Figure uh, to the Millionaire Mind and any of the Rich Dad Poor Dad series by uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, those have always been, been my favorites. And, uh, yeah, I'm a really big fan of, of, of podcasts right now. So I, I listen to uh, a lot of uh, Andy Priscilla and Lewis Howes. Mm. And uh, so those guys are, are really, really killing it. Uh, and uh, a lot of, this, uh, of their podcasts aren't based on real estate, but it's just based on, uh, you know, being, being successful in life no matter what path you take. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, that's those guys that inspire me, to be honest, actually. Uh, Andy and uh, Lewis, those guys, I'm actually trying to get them on the podcast also because uh, Andy's MF CEO is great podcast. Lewis Howes of The Greatness is, is, I mean, outstanding. I mean, he, he does some great stuff also. So great stuff there, Terry. Um, yeah, Terry, I mean, this this is this has been a great podcast for, for, for the listeners, I think, to pick up so much knowledge just from you who's been in the industry for a long time and learn from someone who's not just a, you know, just a jock or an athlete, but someone who's actually put their time into to, to develop themselves and invest in the future. Cause now look how your future's looking now, man. You look, your future's looking pretty, pretty, pretty good right now, Terry. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And that's the, I, I guess that's the, the, the main goal is to just keep pushing forward and, uh, you know, never take, never take for an answer. And, uh, if you have a dream, if you have a vision, I mean, from the vision boards to, you know, setting goals to have a passion, you know, obviously, you know, people listening out there, don't quit. You know, he had a passion. He pushed himself to become a pro BMX rider. 
Um, he wrote his goals down daily, weekly, monthly. You know, he had an obsession with this, you know, to, to become great. And he's become great now. He's on magazines and has sponsors. And he's put in the 10 hours, 8 to 10 hours a day. And, uh, you know, he differentiated himself by reading a book and a couple books and learning from a network of his own and becoming a proactive mindset by, you know, setting aside accounts for his money to invest in his future. And um, he's reached out to mentors with years of experience in the industry that he's trying to learn, which was real estate. And now, you know, and he's built a strong team around him. And now he's progressed from one unit to aplexes to commercial buildings. I mean, Terry has definitely, definitely invested in his future. And you can see, obviously, it's bright. Um, Terry, how can um, people reach out to you? And how can they reach, um, you know, maybe your future events? Or how can they reach out to social media if you want to give yourself out there? Yeah, my website is terryadamcmx.com. If, if they kind of want to see what I got going on, if anyone wants to follow my Instagram, it's terryadamcmx. If anyone wants to know what I have going on in real estate right now with uh, uh, me and uh, Kenny, Kenny and myself, uh, that Instagram is at Infinite Investment LLC. Um, but yeah, that's that's how to follow me, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. I uh, greatly appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to uh, hearing hearing your all your episodes that come out. And uh, just want to say thanks, man. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Terry. I mean, thank you. I want to thank you first of all for taking the time out your busy schedule to um, give us a couple, you know, some pointers and help these people out there invest in their future. And uh, signing off. Thank you guys again, and thanks for listening. And I will see you next episode.